Welcome to the old school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Hi, it's now time for me to tell you what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay absent today. And I think we've already determined uh, the timer. So um, I want to thank everyone for inviting me here tonight. It feels really good to be here. I'm from Boston, as I was saying a little earlier, which was 22 degrees today. So anybody here in L.A., I'm very, very jealous. <laughs> and you'll see I have a winter sweater on. But um, so anyway, I have been in this program a very, very long time. And I am a compulsive eater, an anorexic, and a bulimic. So um, I can remember when I was... When I was very, very young, I had a very strange relationship with food. I remember when I was three years old, you know, I used to be at my grandmother's house and I remember I ate a whole bottle of baby aspirin and I remember getting screamed at because, you know, that was going to hurt me and I had no idea, it just tasted so good. And then when I got a little older, I just ate a full bottle of vitamins and anything I could get my hands on was always in my mouth. And I can always remember climbing up somewhere to get some food and just hiding it and behind anybody everybody's back um and what was really funny is i started eating my toys as i got a little older which i think is a little abnormal and um i used to eat my plastic toys and i can remember i i had a big plastic one i can remember i i ate it down to the wire and i was so proud i shoved my mom i go look mom i ate this i ate the whole plastic thing and you know so everything was really not normal as a child with my eating behaviors um, and as I got a little older, I just started eating so much food. Um, my mother did her shoppings on Monday nights and the three of us would eat the entire house out that Monday night. Like everything in the whole house was gone. We just devoured it. And, um, I remember on Sundays, my mother used to come home with those little round things, 12 of them, and I would eat 11 of them. And, um, Everybody said, like, Terry, how could you eat 11 of those? But to me, I, I just kept eating and eating. And I just, anything that was sweet like that, I just love to have it in my stomach. And um, I also played with my food a lot too. I had a younger sister, well, she's six years younger than I. And we used to just play around, putting all kinds of ingredients in a pan, playing Julia Child and just mixing all kinds of things up. And just everything that had to do with food was either playing with it or, or eating it or it was so fascinating to me since I was a little girl and I, I remember one of the my staples growing up that I had was what, what Grammy made me every day for lunch was a sugar sandwich you know we had that white bread and she put pounds of butter on it and just poured the sugar on top so that's what I had for lunch every day and I loved it and you know I grew up on really my mother didn't really know how to cook so the food I grew up on it was all sugar and processed foods, and it really was not healthy. But as I got older, I still ate massive, massive amounts of food. I remember um, I would eat like three times more than my boyfriends would, and they'd be amazed. Like, Terry, what, how can you eat all this? Always ate, ate a ton of food and always much more than everybody else. But, you know, I was always exercising, so I wasn't getting heavy. So I didn't see it as a problem because I could eat whatever I wanted. Um, I was extremely athletic. I was an, um, 
I was a gymnast and I was on the gymnastic team and I did gymnastics three times a week in school and every night after school because I lived across the street from the high school. So I never gained a pound. And um, later on in my life, I kept eating and eating. But again, I started, you know, exercising. I was a professional bodybuilder when I got into my 20s. And, you know, I worked out six nights a week, for, um, three hours a night for six years. So, I mean, my body was perfect. I had 4% body fat. Um, and it's funny because, you know, how Bill says in, in the big book, I've arrived. Well, that's exactly what I felt like. You know, I have arrived. I am the perfect thing. You know, my, my, my silly thinking. Um, and I can remember when I got um, a little older, my car broke down one day and I had to start walking to work, which was like a half hour. And um, at about the same time, my boyfriend for 16 years broke up with me. My grandmother died. Just all these tragic things were happening in my life. And I don't know how this evolves, but my disease is certainly not circumstantial. I'll make that very, very clear. But um, I started being obsessive compulsive about my walking. So not only did I walk to work and back every day, but I had to walk three miles before I went to work. So I'd wake up at like four in the morning, walk three miles, come home, take a shower, walk to work and walk back. And I did that every single day. I think I missed two days in five years. It was obsessive compulsive behavior. And even in, my, you know, even in my house, like I had to touch the stove 15 times or I couldn't leave the house or if anything was out of place, I'd have to place it perfectly. So I had really bad obsessive compulsive behavior. Um, so I ate so much, so much. And then I don't know how this occurred, but I started wanting to disappear. I want to die. I just didn't want to be there anymore. I just wanted to like disappear. I felt lonely, sad. My life was dark. And I started being anorexic. Um, I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning, weigh myself, have a cup of tea. As I said, bundle up and go for a three hour walk. Um, and I remember during my walks, I used to get so dizzy because I weighed like 72 pounds, you know, but I had, I had to do this. And, um, and it, it was really, I would stop at every drugstore possible and I would get tea. So I drank tea and chewed gum for one year straight. And the doctors cannot believe that I'm alive today. They have no idea how I could have survived off that. And that's all I would have. But again, I'd weigh myself five or six times a day. My hygiene was horrible. I wouldn't take a shower. I wouldn't answer the phone. I wouldn't, my friends would come over. I wouldn't answer the door. Um, it was just awful. Um, I would just cry all day. I would just cry and cry and cry. I just isolated so bad. I didn't want to talk to anybody, be around anybody. Um, and I remember my boss's dad at the time was a tailor. So he used to make my pants so they would fit me because I was so thin. They didn't, I couldn't find pants that fit. And, you know, my behaviors were like, I remember in work, I would buy a sandwich. I would put it in my mouth and I'd spit it out. I would not swallow food. Absolutely not swallow food because that was horrific for me to gain weight. So I um, would pretend I was eating and I would spit it in a napkin. So they thought, everyone thought I was eating the whole time and I really was not eating anything. Um, and if by, by mistake, I'd swallowed something, I would try to throw it up. Um, I chewed 12 to 18 packs of gum a day. Um, that was obsessive as well. And I was obsessive about eating the food, eating like rum raisin ice cream, for instance. I don't know why that was in my head, but I would be a 
obsessive compulsively thinking about runways and ice cream, runways and ice cream. Like I was obsessive compulsive. I was sick. Um, and, and some days, you know, I remember at one point I was allowed to eat eight raisins a day. That was like my big meal. And I, that's all I'd have all day is eight raisins. I was so restricting. Um, and of course, all I did was weigh myself. And if I was over 82 pounds, I wouldn't leave the house. That was unacceptable. Um, and my friends, I, every one of them I threw away. You know what it says in the big book too, like all our friends disappeared in a row. It's like every friend I had, I threw away. I didn't want to have anything to do with anybody. And, you know, I just remember saying, God, please let me die. I'm just so fat. Please let me die. I'm so fat. Um, and once I had a waitressing job and, um, you know, as I said, I was, this is what I was in the 70s, 70 something pounds. And I went to buy the outfits were shorts, little white shorts and an outfit. And I went to buy shorts and I had to go into the children's section and buy shorts that fit an eight year old child. I know that's everyone's dream, you know, in our heads of being that thin, but it was the most horrific feeling Like I couldn't even fit into normal clothes. And I looked like a skeleton. I looked horrible. I looked horrible. Um, but, you know, one thing I wanted to share with you, if you don't know about anorexia, is a lot of anorexic steel. Um, it's very common for anorexic steel. Reason being is their electrolytes are so low that they don't think straight. Um, I would go to clothing stores and steal clothes, um, put on like five or six layers under what I was wearing. I would steal pocketbooks. I would steal cell phones. I would steal anything. Um, and one time I did get caught and they took me into the police station um, and I had to go to court. And I said to the, the judge that day, I said, you know, I'm anorexic. And I did a huge research on the electrolytes of anorexics and how they do not think normally. And it's so true. You know, I can remember at that time when I was anorexic, I was watching my neighbor's cat upstairs. She passed away and her family asked that I watch her cat until they could get her things together. You know, and God told me to steal her jewelry so that I could sell it for food. Now, God did not tell me to steal her jewelry. Absolutely not. But my thinking was so sick. I, I, I just was not a normal human being. So anyway, I did get off court. Um, because she said, yes, I can see you're anorexic. And yeah, I understand. And uh, you better start gaining some weight so you can, you know, start getting your life together. So the anorexic was pretty severe. And, um, but, you know, it wasn't bad for me because I just thought I was fat. All I cared that about, you know, being, you know, people say you're anorexic. I just thought I was fat all the time. But where that horror came is the being bulimic. And I never wish anyone in the world this on them. It is the most worst experience in the world. Um, I just remember like I would, my friend actually taught me, she said, um, one of the girls I hung around with said, you know, hey, let's have our dinner and throw it up. And I'm like, what are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. And she, you know what? And what happened was I learned how to do that and she stopped and I continued doing it for another 15 years. And she never, it never was an addictive thing for her. So, you know, before this, I decided I needed to get into a, um, you know, a clinic of some sort. I, I had to get into some sort of um, eating disorder clinic. So um, I, I searched all the United States and no one would take me because I had no insurance. I lost my job. I lost everything. And um, finally, I got into a place and I was there five minutes. You know why? 
because they took my blood and rushed me to the hospital. They said I was going to die within 10 minutes because of my, my, my bloods were so off. So, I mean, I was a really sick, sick girl. Um, and as I said, uh, I got into bulimia and I would throw up anywhere. I would throw up in my hair. I would throw up on my clothes. I would throw up in any toilet. I didn't care where, but everything I ate, I had to throw up. Um, and it got kind of like the obsessive compulsive behaviors. I spent $130 worth of food in one day. Um, every day I ate $130 worth of food. And I would shop, I'd spend the day shopping. I'd call the bakeries at five in the morning, asking them to make special orders. And I'd spend the whole day shopping. And then at four o'clock in the afternoon, bingo. I would explode and eat all night till one or two in the morning. Then I would spray Clorox all over everything and throw it away so I wouldn't eat it. Then I'd go right back into the trash and I'd eat everything with the Clorox on it and the Windex. I didn't care. I was just crazy. And, um, you know, those sheet cakes for graduations? I'd have one of those a night along with mounds of food. I just kept eating and eating and eating. I just was never full. Um, but again, you know, I, I spent 13 hours a day throwing up for a long time. And every morning I'd say, you know what, I'm not going to do that again. And I'd wake up and I would do it again. And the next day it was, it was like, you know, I'd walk straight and I'd fall in that hole. And next day I'm like, I'd wake up and I'd fall in that hole. But why didn't I walk around that hole? Okay. So this is where I want to talk about step one. There's two parts to step one. Okay, and I don't think people look at the second part. I'm powerless over food, yes, but my life has become unmanageable. I think people forget about that my life has become unmanageable. Um, I got fired from my job. Uh, they repossessed my car. Um, they were turning off the gas in my apartment. I was four months behind in my rent. Um, as I said, I wouldn't talk to anybody that I knew. Um, and this brings me to the big book of we're talking about the bedevilments. I think it's on page 55. Oh, 52. Um, so if we look at the bedevilments on page 52 in the big book, um, were we having trouble with personal relationships? Yes. We couldn't control our emotional natures? Nope. We were prey to misery and depression? Yeah, I want to die. We couldn't make a living? No, I was fired from my job. We had a feeling of uselessness. I, we were full of fear and we were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be real help to other people. No, because I only thought about myself. You know, the basic solution of these, these bedevilments is how I live my life. Um, and, and that's not how I really want to live. Um, everybody talked behind my back. They said, you know, uh, is she dying of cancer? What's wrong with her? And I'd walk around. I have really pretty blue eyes. And, you know, I'd walk around. They were black. The inside of my soul was just black. I was just a walking zombie. And if I go to page eight in the big book, I love, well, I'm not going to say I love this, but it just, it reflects my life. On page eight, no words, it's on the um, second paragraph. No words can tell the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol, food was my master. Three minutes, Terry. Oh, thanks. So what I want to talk about, um, what I want to get to is more so about why I eat. Um, because I blame my mother for my whole life why I ate. 
Um, I was raised by both my grandparents, my grandfather's fathers. Um, my father was in prison when I was little and died when I was nine. My mother hated me, told me I was stupid. Don't apply to college. No one's going to take you. This is why I, I had my disease. And this is why I was anorexic and bulimic. No, that is not why. The reason is because I, I, I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. I did not have the power. Okay. So although I'm willing and I want to, I don't have the power. So where do I get the power? I get the power by going through this big book, studying the 12 steps. This is an instruction manual. I go through the 12 steps. I have a spiritual awakening and I live a life in the fourth dimension. I mean, my thoughts of food have been lifted. It's, it's a remarkable, remarkable thing, you know, through these steps. But, you know, I used to have, I have a friend who's, you know, 600 pounds. And I'm like, why is he just stop eating? And then once someone's anorexic, why don't they just eat? It's not that we don't want to get well. We don't have the power to do so. Um, and I eat because I, I get an effect. That's why I eat. So most people have emotions. They're angry, sad, whatever. And they talk it out. They run. But for me, what I used to do is I would grab food. And just to get that amazing effect, that aha in my body. And it only lasts six to eight seconds. It's because I have an allergy of the body and a mental obsession. And this is the truth. Once I realized that I had an allergy and I'm not stupid, this is not my fault of this disease. It's not my mother's fault. It's no one's fault. I have an allergy. I'm different. And I have obsession of the mind. There's just certain things that I cannot put in my mouth. Because if I do, I will go on an enormous binge. I'm allergic to these foods. So for me, that happens to be flour and sugar. Other people, it's different. But, you know, if I put what one roll in my mouth today, I'll be gone for five, six hours, you know, binging. So, yep, I'm powerless over food. Um, and I need a power greater than myself. And I get that by following the instructions of the big book. Um, today, you know, my entire life, I'm happy I'm a compulsive overeater. I am proud to be a compulsive overeater. And my life today is, is my purpose is to help other people. I mean, that's why I am here on this earth. If I can help one person, I mean, it's, it, it's remarkable. So this program is an amazing program. I am so gifted from God. And this is all God. None of this is me. You know, it's all of you, all of this fellowship and, and God. God's a star of my story. So, you know, today I just want to thank God and thank all of you for being there in my life. And um, it's pretty amazing that I'm here. Um, but I am grateful and I am just so proud to be a compulsive overeater. I thought I would never say that. You know, I never thought I want to make way and measure my food, but it's it's a privilege. So I will end there. And I want to thank you all for um, letting me share my story. I hope I made sense.